Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mark Molina, the CEO of Molina Leadership and Business Development Solutions. Today, I am beyond excited and beyond ecstatic to have with us uh, Goli Kolkaran, founder, initiator of Lessons from Acquitter.com, a nationally recognized podcast mentor, coach, and we are very privileged to have this audience with her. And I'm going to begin with her bio, and then we'll let her have some introduction, self-introduction time. Uh, Goli Kolkaran is a lawyer-turned-entrepreneur who uses her platform to destigmatize quitting and provide resources and inspiration to individuals looking to pivot in their established careers. She challenges people to put their happiness first and guides them through the initial steps of starting over. Goli provides practical tips that help boost productivity, shirk stigma, and grow without ego. Her goal is to help others exceed their own expectations and build an intentional, fulfilling life. Goli, welcome and thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I have, uh, you know, my wife found your podcast on the internet, not quite sure how she did it a few <laughs> months ago, and we've been digesting your podcast ever since. Um, the destigmatizing of taking a step of courage to pivot in your life is probably the greatest boundary to anyone making a professional change, even when they know everything inside of them is telling you, telling them the time is now, the time is now, the time is now. But for whatever reason, those messages, that stigma keeps mm -hmm. them locked away in fear. So, yeah. yeah, so talk to us a little bit how you came to this point in your life, lawyer turned entrepreneur, yeah. what got you here? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, the podcast, the whole community, all of this is things that were born out of my own experience. And I think things that I wish I had when I was quitting law. So uh, I was a lawyer for about seven years. And um, I was the type of person who had kind of put my head down and had decided I was going to be a lawyer from a very young age as a child and uh, really didn't look up. And I, you know, achieved that goal. And I think like a lot of people, like, when you're working towards something, you get there and then you're like, oh, well, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be, or now what, you know? And I found myself very unhappy as a lawyer, which I think unfortunately a lot of lawyers find themselves in that situation. Um, and I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I can't keep doing this for the rest of my life if it makes me this unhappy. But I felt so deeply trapped, you know, now looking back, I realized I wasn't trapped at all. And it was just all my, in my head that I couldn't leave. But, you know, I think like you were saying, like the stigma, the pressure of people around you, the way people view you, the prestige, the title, the identity, your identity gets wrapped up into it. And so um, it took me a really long time to really admit to myself that it was going to quit, let alone anybody else. And, um, and then dealing with all of the stuff of like, well, what do I do now? I don't really even know what else I like. I've only ever done this and I only have a degree in this and, you know, and I spent a lot of time and money getting that degree. So, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to do? And I felt very crazy for a long time. Like I really felt like I had kind of lost it and like I was doing something that was so against what everybody thought that a lawyer, I guess, should do that. I, you start doubting yourself kind of like, am I insane for leaving this? Um, even though I'm unhappy and Luckily, you know, I made it out the other side. Like I quit. I ended up 
you know, making a ton of mistakes and starting a business and then starting another business and, and really just fumbling my way to a, a path that really lit me up. And, and I started this podcast mostly because I knew so many other people that were exactly in the same place I was and really unhappy. And, um, I feel like this was a conversation we need to be having that like, you're allowed to start over. You're allowed to change. Like you shouldn't have to stick to something because you picked it at 22 or 18 or whatever, you know, it's like, we all evolve as, as human beings. And it's not to say it was a mistake and maybe it serves you for a certain portion of your life. And then you're willing to, you want to try something else. You want to grow in another way. And so I really just, I started out the podcast without really any other intention, but just to have this conversation and put it out there so that people don't feel crazy when they want to do something else. I just, my mind is racing as I'm listening to you speak this you knew what you wanted to be. You knew what you wanted to do from the time you were yeah. a little girl and you put your head down, you put your hand <laughs> on the plow, you got it all done. Yeah. You got to the destination point, you crossed the finish line and you realize that maybe, just maybe, you were in the wrong race. Is that accurate? A hundred percent. And so, you know, the stigma to, for those that will listen to this and watch this, it's not just your own individual struggle. It's your family, it's your friends, it's your peer group. People do feel crazy when they're aware that I'm getting off this train one way or the other and yeah. everyone else is still trying to get on. Or yeah, they, yeah. Absolutely. So I mean you're you, like the definition of success, you know, like you're you're at this place where everybody, you know, thinks that you should just be happy. And so then you start questioning like why am I not happy? Like I can make money. And I have the prestige and people think that I, you know, and it's like, what, what, maybe there's something wrong with me because like, I should, I should just be happy now. Mm -hmm. So how did you, what were some of your epiphany moments, those pivotal moments when you said, okay, this isn't it. I'm getting off the train. Yeah. Right yeah. For me, it was, um, it all, I mean, it happened exactly the way I guess it should have happened. It, I had my son, my first son, and so I was on maternity leave. And I, we ended up at the time moving from Arizona to California. And so I had to quit my job in order to move. Or I don't think I would have ever done that. I think I would have just stayed. And I would have gone back to work after my maternity leave was over. But because I quit and we moved and I was looking for a new job, it was like every time I would read a job description, I would feel sick. Like I would feel nauseous. I would get this like wow. in my stomach. And I kept thinking like, how can I do, I don't want to do any of these jobs that I, I'm qualified to do, you know? Like I could get them, I just don't want to. And I was feeling very obviously pulled towards being home more with my son. And so I had a lot of, so for me, it didn't really even start with like even entertaining the idea of quitting. It was just like, how am I going to balance all this? Like, I don't want to go back to working 80 hours a week. Like I want to be home in time to be with him when he's awake and I don't want to come home when he's asleep. And it started in those questions. And then it, it just, it was a lot of conversations with my husband over a number of months where, you know, he really, re there was a couple of pivotal moments when he reframed things for me in a way that I hadn't really thought about. And, um, there, you know, there was like a, a time when I was um, talking to him about the fact that I've already, you know, wasted 
like I, he was asking me why I don't, I don't try to do something else, like try in another field. And um, I kept saying, well, I've already done all this work. Like I've got the degree. I've already like spent seven years as a lawyer and, you know, built up my resume. And, um, and I was like telling him how like, I can't just throw it all away. Mm-hmm. And I remember and he said to me, okay, so you're saying that you, if you like throw away the last 10, like if you, if you do something else, you're throwing away the last 10 years. So you're willing to throw away the next 30 or 40 years doing something you don't like. So you don't throw away the last 10. Like that makes no sense. And you know, it was things in those conversations that I'm like, he's right. Like, why would I do this for another 40 years if I don't want to do it just so I can say that I didn't waste the last 10 years. And like now, obviously my perspective has fully shifted and I don't think any of it was a waste. I think, you know, it fully brought me to where I need to be and it taught me the things I needed to learn. And I am so grateful for my uh, experience in it. But I think in that, I just needed, I was holding on so tightly. I didn't want to lose something. And I was giving up all of these opportunities. I was giving up the opportunity for a life that I would really be fulfilled in and happy in because I just was so afraid of letting go of, you know, losing what I had. I wrote down some of the, your comments. Mm-hmm. Sick to my stomach every time I read a job description. You have some support with your husband helping you reframe your perspective, which is critical. But your answers were, I've wasted, I've spent this time, law school, seven years of my career, building this resume. That's what I'm supposed to do. And he says Mm -hmm. to you, so you think you've wasted the last 10 years versus the next 30? You're going to be sad, unhappy, just... discontented for 30 more years because you think you've uh, invested in something that's not you and and you said you were holding on so tightly Mm -hmm. before we get into some of the questions uh, that I've asked you that I've sent to you what did that feel like for you can you put into words what you were going through physically emotionally Mm -hmm. psychologically Mm -hmm. with this concept of I was holding on so tightly yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that um, I was feeling a lot of things. I think there was a lot of, I was feeling very lost. And, and I say this um, now looking back, I don't know if I was as lost as I thought I was, because I think what was happening is that I, deep down, I knew, I knew I wanted what I wanted. I just couldn't admit it to myself because it was so scary. It was so uncertain. It was so, you know, it was something that I had never even thought would happen, that I would not be a lawyer. And so that idea was so terrifying to me that I pretended, or my mind had kind of created that, like, I don't know what to do. But deep down, I knew I didn't want to do this anymore. It was pretty clear, you know? And I think I felt, you're kind of in this place of like, um, of a point of no return. Like, you know, you can't go back. You know, there's something stopping you that you're like, when you go back, you're just going to be miserable every single day. Cause you're thinking like, there has to be another way. There has to be a way up, but you don't see the path yet. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. So you're in this kind of dark, messy middle. You're in this place where you're like, ah, I'm going to do this scary thing. Like I'm actually starting to entertain this, but it's so scary to my brain that I can't really admit it to myself because it's, it's overwhelming. It's too much for me to think of like how, okay, how do I traverse this? How do I come up with an entire new life for myself and, and mm-hmm. career and identity and, you know, and so 
you know, I felt a lot of things. In one sense, I felt a lot of relief, like in seeing the support from my husband and and just seeing a glimmer of hope that I didn't have to go back. Like that was what was getting me. I was like, I just really don't want to be back in this. And so that was a little bit of hope, but the uncertainty felt so scary that I felt very lost. Like I felt very like, well, what's, what's the next step? Where do I go now? You just answered in detail the very questions that we all go through in this human experience that we share and the very things that hold us back uh, deep down inside you, you knew I don't want to do I don't want to do this anymore yeah. but I can't see the path I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel this is so scary my brain can't accept it so I'm going to push push this off I'm going to shove this off and I'm going to stay where I'm at. And in order for someone like you or someone like me or anyone who wants to cross over to what is potentially next, what could actually be a significant pivot and a destiny that you've been holding on to on the inside, you have to push past that fear. You had some glimmer of hope from your, your husband's reframing, your husband's support. But you, and so you didn't want to go back. So this is it. You're at the plane, yeah. right? You, you got you got to step off the boat, right? You got to you got to do this. So you guys made that decision. But before we talk about that, how was your family, extended family, responding to their precious daughter, who knew from the time she was a little girl, she was going to be an attorney, she yeah. went to school, spend all that money. Now you've got extemporaneous expectations. Okay. I'm assuming. Yes, 100%. So a couple of things I did, and I actually recommend this to people, is I, because I was so uncertain in my own, I didn't know what was going to happen, I didn't really tell a lot of people. I had the added uh, benefit, I guess, of being at home with a newborn. So it was a very, you know, um, acceptable answer to say like, oh, I'm just, right now I'm taking a couple months to be with my son. And so I think a lot of people didn't question that. Like I didn't, start telling people like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, completely changing my career right now. And it was like, well, yeah, maybe I'll get a job in a couple of months, you know? And so I really protect because I was so fragile at that moment. And I knew that like, if other people were going to tell me like, no, you're crazy. You have to go back. Don't throw it all away. Like that would really weigh on me. And I would think they're right. And so I kept a lot of the conversation just between me and my husband for a really long time until I got to the point where I was really certain that I wanted and that I was going to do something else. Um, and I was lucky enough that my parents in this time, um, when this happened, my mom had um, been with the company for 20 years. She had basically helped grow, like, grow the company to from like seven people to like a massive company. She was the VP of um, finance and accounting in, there, in, the, in the company. And completely blindsided one day just got laid off and she was 60 at the time and she was so blindsided and heartbroken by like what had happened and she really like I mean the amount that she poured into this company was just like unbelievable and um it really I think reframed for I you know immigrant parents and I think that they had kind of been raised to believe that like the stable way is having a job in you know in corporate America and doing all that 
And I think if before that, my mom would have really railed against me leaving. But after that happened, it just completely shifted her perspective. And so she understood that like there is no safety and there is no point in giving your life to something that, you know, to build a dream for somebody else. And so she was a lot more supportive. Like she, you know, they were worried that they wanted to make sure that I was, um, uh, that I was certain, but it, it wasn't the push that I, I thought like there would be a lot of drama about it. There wasn't, um, that was just like between my parents, everybody else. I, I did get a lot of pushback from a lot of other people. And it's funny because in the, I, I'm glad that I protected myself for a while because I think it would have really influenced me. But once I had made the decision and I had spent so many months kind of really thinking about this decision and weighing different aspects and coming up with plans and figuring out what I was going to do and talking so thoroughly. And I was so certain in my choice that it was, it became really interesting to me to see other people's reactions because I didn't take it personally. I started realizing like, oh, that's just their own story. Like that's their own programming. That's their own insecurities. Like they have no idea what my, you know, they don't have to pay my bills. They don't have to live my life. Why do they care so much? Like when I'm telling them that I'm unhappy, why do they care so much? And it's really just their own fears, their own, you know, uncertainty. I knew they were coming from a place of love. Like they wanted me to be safe. And so I would accept it and kind of smile and nod. And I stopped explaining myself. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go back one day, but not right now. And so I kept it short. I didn't really engage. I didn't try to explain myself to people that didn't really need to be. I kind of realized like, okay, the people in my immediate circle, my parents, my husband, my sister, like they need to be kind of in the loop. Everybody else, I don't really need their approval. Very good. I, I just... And that, I think that's really important when you have that kind of dream that you've been incubating for some time. Those closest to you that know you the most, right? That know your strengths and your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities. That's really who you need support from. And, you know, protecting that conversation, protecting yourself until you're prepared to come forward and share this dream right is that that is a contradiction to most of your life up to that point your mm -hmm. philosophical perspective and those around you i think that's really critical to really be mindful of not everybody needs to know yeah not everyone has to have uh, input and and they might be coming from a, a place of, of legitimate concern thank you and appreciate it and i'll talk to you later yeah. Right. There's a time to cut off opinion. Yes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think what happens, and I think what a lot of times we don't realize, is so often we are seeking other people's opinions because we are unsure of our own decision. Like we want some kind of sort of permission, right? Mm -hmm. We think like if we tell people, and then everyone else says like, "Oh, it's a great idea," or "Oh, that business sounds like a wonderful idea." Like it's sort of validating it for us. Mm -hmm. so like, oh, maybe I'm not crazy for doing this. And I think becoming very aware of that and realizing that you don't need to like run around and get each person's opinion on what you're doing. Like, it, you know, they're allowed to have a different opinion and that's okay. And you're still allowed to make the decision you want to make because it's your life, you know, and mm -hmm. people can disagree and we're all adults and everyone can handle their own emotional reaction to that. And that's okay. But I think a lot of times like we don't realize that we're doing that. And I am more guilty than most people of that is that I, I for so long, I wanted everybody else's opinions because I wanted to always be right. And I think this was the first time that I really realized like there's a right and there's what's right for me. 
And what you're saying, like, I really understood that I have to protect this a little bit because, because I will give into that insecurity because I will, they will plant seeds that will look at, obviously anybody that's going to quit their career has fear and doubt. Like yes. there's just no way not to have it. And so knowing that that is, that's already a part of your psyche and then letting other people kind of water that seed and make it bigger is just going to be detrimental to you. So you really have to kind of protect who you uh, share that stuff with. You said, um, you know, people, people, we need to remember if we want to start something new that people can try to impose upon us aware or not their self-limiting beliefs, yeah. their, their boundaries, their, their fears. And we can't always receive those as legitimate, especially if someone's never tried it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. How did you process the, the question of all questions? What if I fail? I can't say that I processed it well then. Um, that was obviously my biggest concern was what if I fail? Um, I, I did a ton of um, personal development and mindset work and I started realizing that that is a question that everybody has. That is not, that is not an indication that like something has gone wrong or that you shouldn't do it. It's like, it's, the human brain wants certainty. And when you're doing something that is uncertain, there is that worry of like, what if you fail? And at the time I loved the quote, I had it up on my computer. It was, um, what if I fail? Oh, darling, but what if you fly? And I kept thinking about like, yes, I can focus on the possibility that I, this might not work, or I can focus on the possibility that this might be the best thing that ever happens to me. Like, what if this is, you know, and I'm, gonna give this up because of the possibility that I might fail you know I think once I got to the point where I realized that I wasn't willing to live a life where I was unhappy the whole time like it didn't matter anymore it was like I don't have another option I had I guess I'm gonna fail and see what happens because like the other option is I've already failed like I'm already unhappy so you know what's what's the worst that can happen now let's just try it I want to I want to write that down real quick you said I already failed because I was unhappy. Yeah. I'm gonna write that that down. Mm -hmm. We're gonna come back to that. But I wanna to talk to you. I want you to address a little bit mm -hmm. the work you did and the two areas you mentioned, self-development and mindset work. For those that are listening, this is this is important because as I'm stepping out and risking what I'm doing, I remember when I was when I got out of the U.S. Army in 1995, I had I knew that the time had come for me to go on. I had been in 11 and a half years. I had a couple of surgeries, injuries, and most of my contemporaries were like, "What are you going to do? You've got a family. You need the medical benefits, the dental benefits. You need the military housing. How are you going to survive?" And I remember being at that time aware of their fear, and I didn't have any. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew that I knew it was time to go. My body had had enough. My mind had had enough. My emotions had had enough. And I remember telling people when they would say that to me is millions of people are out there doing it every day. And if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So let's talk. Uh, talk to the people who are going to hear this and see this. Yeah. Self-development and mindset work. What did you do? 
So I started originally with just like, I started reading a bunch of mindset books. I started reading like anything I could get my hand on, um, that, and it was kind of like, you know, low barrier to entry. So I, I, I just started like, um, gobbling that stuff up. I started listening to podcasts and that's actually why I started a podcast is because I discovered podcasts at this time. And it was, you know, when I was at home with my son, so like I would take him for walks and it was funny because it actually didn't even start with, um, personal development podcasts. It started with business podcasts and I was just fascinated by all these podcasts. Somebody had sent me one and it was like a couple podcasts about people that started like startups, like started businesses. And it's funny that you say that because as I was listening to them, I was thinking if they can do it, why can't I do it? I'm smart enough. Like what? There's nothing about these people that makes them any more special. Like a lot of them, cause I kept thinking like, Oh, you have to have all the experience. People have MBAs. And then I would hear these stories of like 22 year olds that started a product, you know, and like I was watching shark tank at the time. And so it was a lot of that stuff of like, why am I counting myself out? Like, I'm clearly a smart person. I figured out things before in my life. I can figure this out. And so it started from that. Like I started listening to a lot of those podcasts and that just shifted my mindset a little. And then I started getting into a lot of mindset podcasts. And so I was really just doing those things. It was just free stuff. You know, it was, I mean, books weren't free, but they were relatively cheap and then podcasts. And so I would just devour as much as I could. And it was like shifting my mindset because I was seeing, I would listen to these business podcasts and I remember how different it was from like the world that I was in because they would talk about these things and it was like, you know, seemed super risky. Like the guy's talking about how he put up his whole life savings and nobody else was batting an eye. Like in this business world, in this startup world, it all seemed like, Oh, you do what you have to do to get this, you know? And then they would talk about each business failing. And then I started another one and I started thinking like, Oh, there's another way to look at all this. Like failure doesn't mean that you're dumb and that it's, you're a failure. It means like you tried it and it didn't work. So then you pivoted and you tried something else. And so it fundamentally started changing the way I thought about things. And I was like, Oh, I could just try. I could just try something and see what happens. I could just try. That's a mantra. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Let's go to your comment. I already failed because yeah. I was unhappy. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a, a that is something we can should be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and have that ruthless moral inventory with me, myself, and I looking at that reflection and saying, "I've already failed. I'm, I'm already unhappy. I'm already miserable." It's time. Yeah. How did you, how did you say that out loud? How did you accept that within yourself and then be able to say that to someone else to help propel you to that next place? I mean, I think that I, what I started realizing, and I think a lot of people realize, I think a lot of us get to a place where by society standards, we are successful and that we don't feel successful because we feel mm -hmm. like we're unhappy, right? We get to a place where you're like, you have what everyone told you you should get and you still don't feel happy. And so I started realizing like, okay, I have all this stuff and like, you know, I have the salary and I can buy the things and none of it is making me happy and I don't mm -hmm. want to be doing this day to day. And so it, it, it wasn't that I felt like I was a failure 
in the sense of like what I did. I, I just felt like I've been misled. Mm-hmm. Like I was in a race that I didn't, I never chose to be, that I was just put on and was like, go run this race. And I ran it well, right? I, I was, you know, I did well in the race. And then I got to the end and I'm like, oh, I don't, I didn't even want to be on this race. And so um, I, I really felt like, okay, I tried it the way they told me to do it. And this is what I ended up doing. And so like now maybe I can try it my way. And I have no idea what that path is. And it's scary. And I remember my husband saying that to me. And that was um, really the hardest thing for me to kind of swallow. The hardest pill to swallow is, you know, he was mentioning like, listen, like you've always kind of taken the easy path. And I, I almost lost my mind. I was like, easy path? Like, do you know how hard it is to be a lawyer? And when I calmed down to realize what he meant is that I always took a path where I never had to figure it out. Someone always told me like, take this test, apply to the school, do this, take these tests, get this grade, apply to this job. And that's all I ever did. And so obviously when I got there, I was like, I don't even want any of this. Right. But I never even stopped to think about it. He's like, carving your own path is the hardest thing, but at the end of it, it's like you chose it. Right. And so I, for the first time felt like, okay, there is no other path now. And so I have to, I literally have to figure out what is the next step. Like no one's there to tell me this is the right one or this is the wrong one. Like I have to kind of figure this out. And so, you know, I, like, I, I guess I didn't form it in my head that like I am a failure. I just formed it as like, I've done everything right mm-hmm. and I'm not happy, mm-hmm. you know, right by society standards. So like, maybe this isn't the right way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's another way of me doing it. And I'm like willing to try that. I think that's really important that your husband, his keen insight, the insight oh, yeah. knowledge of who you are as his wife, as, as a human being. And I can imagine you wanting to lose your mind and say, well, what? Easy way, buddy, you're in so much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he was brave because he put himself in physical danger by telling me that I'd taken the easy way out. But then you have to sit back and really analyze that statement. I'm sure that once you got past that initial reaction, you had to sit back and have that epiphany that mm-hmm. that's a very accurate statement. 100% accurate. So you, you uh, started this work. Mm-hmm. How did you arrive at the name Lessons from a Quitter? Yeah, it's so funny. That like... I was thinking about starting the podcast and I had been like brainstorming names and actually like, I think I've originally started with confessions of, from a quitter or confessions of a quitter. And then, but I knew I wanted something with quitter in it because I wanted to destigmatize this idea of like quitting being the most horrible thing and like being a quitter, you know, quitters never prosper, whatever it is. Like, it's like, um, winners never quit and quitters never win. I'm like, all of that's BS. All of that is BS. Like one of the bravest things you can do is see that something is not working for you and quit and have the self-awareness that like, this isn't good for me. I should quit. Whether that's a relationship, whether that's, you know, a bad habit, mm-hmm. like whether it's, you know, a vice, something that's like bringing you down or a job. Like we should all be talking about like, let me reevaluate my life and not just do things because I've always done them, but like really take inventory and stock every year and say like, am I happy? Am I going in the direction I want to be? Does my life have what I want? You know, am I grateful for the things that I have? Am I really present to it? So it's not just passing me by. So I'm not sleepwalking through it and really figure out like, okay, this isn't serving me anymore. So I'm going to quit this. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to try something else. And so I think for me, because I know I was stuck so much from that and 
Um, I had so many people when I would have this conversation that were so stuck on the idea of quitting. And I was like, it, it, it isn't that big of a deal to quit. You know, like you shouldn't have to stick to something for the next 60 years just so that you don't have to say you're a quitter. Like that's crazy. And so I really wanted to have some, I mean, I obviously wanted to be tongue in cheek and it's like meant to be funny kind of, but it's also meant to be like a badge of honor. Like, yeah, these are all people like, you know, we're coming up on a hundred episodes is all these people that have quit and have gone on to create incredible lives for themselves because they were self-aware enough to not just get stuck on this hamster wheel and say like, okay, I'm stepping off this. I'm quitting this. I'm going to do something that actually makes me happy. Well, for anyone that once they uh, hear this and see this and they find lessons from a quitter.com and go to those podcasts, they're going to see the immense value of those life stories and those pivots and transitions and realizations. And as we, my wife and I began to digest your podcast, we were like, that's us. Yeah. We know that feeling. We know what they're talking about. We know that struggle, that pain, that yeah. uh, self-limiting belief, that fear, that apprehension, but also a measure of we've done some of these things and they work. And we, as we, this continuum of life that we live on, this continuum of development and, and a self-awareness and strengthening, we have to have others who have been on that journey to help us get there. Even we don't have to know them, but to totally. hear their stories. It is so important to be able to um, see what is possible. Like for us, it's very hard to imagine, you know, and, and we see this in human psyche, like this happens all the time, right? Like nobody could break, what is it? Like the five minute mile, four minute mile until one person did it. And then all of a sudden it was, because once you can believe it's possible, it it opens the, it up when we don't think it's possible um, is when we sort of stay stuck. And honestly, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because I was having, once I'd quit, I just ended up having this conversation over and over again, every party I would go to everywhere, I would, every networking event, I would find somebody that was like, you know, as we were talking and I would say I was a lawyer, they're like, oh, I used to be a lawyer too. And I'm like, what? You quit? What happened? You know, and, and I started finding so many people and I was like, wait, why is nobody talking about this? Because we all kind of went through the same thing. And I really did it more to show people that everybody kind of feels the same way. Everybody goes through that same stuff and, um, and to see that it is possible because I think you know, that fear can feel very overwhelming and very crushing. And it can really feel like not like we focus so much on the fear of failure. Like, what if I regret this? What if I give this up? That I wanted to provide kind of a counterweight to that to see, like, look at the possibility. Look at all these people that have done it. And, you know, the sky didn't fall. The earth didn't swallow them whole. They went on and they created these great businesses and they you know, grown as human beings and really found their own um, way in life. And so it was really more so that people can see it because it's, because that's what helped me in podcasts, like seeing other people and being like, oh my God, I felt like that. I feel like that. Like this person understands exactly what I'm going through. Yeah. I, there's this girl I went to elementary school, middle school and high school with, and she went to Columbia Law School and practiced law for five years quit has been selling wine ever since travels <laughs> all over the world and very wealthy very happy with her life now 
and I was always shocked when when she would when she told me that and because we think our society says you're a lawyer you must have arrived you must have or, or whatever it is a doctor or some yeah. prestigious title and it, it's just not true I, there's a young man these young men that I know that played football that I coached for years and I met their father and he was such a humble guy and he was the janitor for the high school for the school district and put you know provided for his family that way and they they all went to college one of them's a business one of his sons a business owner well, I forget what his other son does now and he's yeah. still there faithfully just and I asked him one day you know about why did, why have you done this for so long he said I like doing it 100% he, he just <laughs> That's actually like, you know, I, I, I'm glad you bring that up. Like one of the problems, not problems I have, but I um, constantly try to counterbalance on the podcast because a lot of times it's really exciting to see stories of people that have gone on to create these incredible businesses. And so people like starting one position and then they quit and then they go on and they have, you know, million dollar companies. And that's wonderful to see. And it's great to see that possibility that like you could have, I mean, the sky is the limit. But honestly, the point of the podcast isn't even that. It's really like take stock in what you want in your life because maybe the lawyer or the doctor that's working a hundred hour weeks making multiple six figures would be happier making 80K and seeing their children, right? So it's a matter of like really figuring out like what it is that you want for your life. And it doesn't have to always be more and more. It doesn't have to be more money or, you know, it's a matter of just realigning. Like maybe, you know, that person wants to work part-time so they can be home part-time and not and have a hand in you know and being more present that's great like it's more of like when do we sit and actually start defining success for us because each person is different and everyone is fine like you can have super ambitious goals for your career and you can also not and both are great like you can decide what your life is going to mean and like what you want out of your life and you can do that instead of following this path that like society has told you, you need to do like, because you're a man, you need to do this because you're a mom, you need to do this. No, like you can pick what it is that you want for your own life. And you, and if you don't pick it, then somebody else will. That's the thing is like, we never really sit down and figure out like, what is my definition of success? When will I know when I got, get there? Right? Like if I'm constantly just going to the next thing, next thing, like make more, make more, like, when do I know? Like, all right, this is when I, I, I really will feel like I have the life that I want. Everything you just said regarding the message, the meaning, I was literally trembling when you were on the inside because, you know, my father had retired from the air for 20 years of active duty Air Force and had three tours of combat, two foreign wars, severe PTSD. His retirement check was $133 a month in 1970, 71. Of course, the dollar was still on the gold standard, so it was a little different, but he retired and went straight to work doing construction. Seven, six days a week, he, we took, he took one day off, and that was Sunday, and we didn't have a lot of money. We, we were poor. I can tell you now, looking back, we were poor. Right. And I didn't know it. It's the same, literally the same childhood. And, and I was happy. We were happy. We were, we were together as a family on, on really good days and really when, when my dad had extra money, I remember he would bring home watermelon and we were like, 
it's a good day. Yeah. Because we have watermelon. Yeah. And I th and I miss those simpler days. And you were talking about being able to identify with those that you love in time and energy and, and effort, being connected in the moment. And I know for a fact that in North America, we Western society, it has become this massive or this massive messaging of accumulation for some reason or another. Yeah, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so is it possible to find that kind of happiness away from capitalism? Absolutely. And so I've listened to so many of your podcasts. And yes, there's wonderful stories about people finding little niche things to do that meant a great deal to them. And they were able to turn them into success and are doing well. But it's also the, the bigger stories behind the story about family time, being home, these connections uh, with the relationships of the ones that they love. And this really is your message. It's 100%. That is 100% the mission and the message behind all this is just getting time to really reflect on like what it is that we you actually want in your life so that you are really working towards that goal as opposed to getting caught in the messaging that you are being bombarded with on a daily basis through all media of you know not feeling enough so you need to buy this other thing or you need to have this other thing and we all know like we've all done it we've all bought something thinking it's going to make us feel better and it does for 30 seconds and then you go back to feeling however you were and i think really getting clear on what what it is for you as an individual because again like all of ours is different and there's been tons of studies right like They've done so many studies that after a certain point, income doesn't really increase happiness anymore. And people, you know, you need like a certain base level, obviously, and maybe a little bit more. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to have more sure. money. You know, I, I actually like, so when I say my husband, one of the reasons he's been such a guiding force is actually he got into personal development before I did. And so he's, it's been amazing kind of going on this journey together, but he's also an entrepreneur and he has a very successful company and it's doing great. But what I love watching him do is he has such a clear idea of what he wants. And so he can ramp up the success of his company even more by putting in more hours, but he just refuses to do it. And it's great and successful. And maybe some, another businessman would, would say like, okay, I have to work weekends. I have to, I'm going to be late and stuff. But for him, he's like, my kids are only young once. I'm going to make it home at this time. I'm going to be, he's home every night at six and he doesn't like work afterwards. He's home on the weekends. And he's like, I don't need it to grow exponentially faster. Like it's growing fine, you know? And I think, but if you're not aware of that, like it's so easy to get caught in numbers, hitting sales goals and like, oh, well, we could have these other more customers. We could make more money. We could have, but for what, like to what end, you know? And then you kind of like let the, you know, you only get certain years, you only get this time. And so it's like, what do you, truly want. And I think when you become aware of like, okay, not what everybody else wants, but this is what I want for my life. I want this time. I want this thing. It, it becomes a North star. Like you can then guide your, the principles of what you're doing, like based on that, you know, North star, instead of just like jumping on another treadmill and it's like, okay, well now I'm, I quit this and now I have to start the business and I have to hustle a hundred hours a week. And it's like, but for what? You know, I, I've worked for some really wealthy people going. 
I mean wealthy people. Yeah. And I cannot tell you of any of those experiences that any of them were ever really happy. Yeah. Oh. And I worked for one man who had um, who had grew up grown up poor, and he had a sign on his desk that said, "I've been rich, and I've been poor. Rich is better." <laughs> and he he was very successful as far as capitalism goes. The amount of yeah. co companies he owned the amount of uh, money that he had, you would look at him and think, this man is the epitome of what success looks like right. until I spoke to his adult children. Right. And then he said to me, I see the value of any man only as the amount of money that they have in their checking account. Mm -hmm. And when he said that to me, I said I, to myself, I said, you are the last person I ever, I don't want to work for you anymore. And I knew at that moment that him and I were done because right. there was, he saw no value in anything other than, than money. And right. so this message that comes through lessons from a quitter.com, these podcasts about inspiring stories to break stigma, to help individuals propel themselves forward into what can be. Where do the ideas come from for these podcasts? Uh, why present to those who would hear them as inspiring stories? And what is the change you hope to help others create in these messages? Yeah, like I think what we've sort of been talking about, you know, it started because I had gone through that journey and then I had so many people that once I quit, I started a business, I, I went to so many, like every party, somebody would be like, oh, I wish I could quit. I wish I could, you know, like do what you did. How did you do it? And I would always be like, you can, why, why can't you, you know, like, and so it sort of became the idea of showing that like it's possible for everybody and, and it's not that crazy. And there's a lot of people that do it. And so it really was born out of that, that need of wanting people to know that it's available to them. And really, I think that like what I'm, the message and what I'm trying to kind of give back. I just want people to be more conscious of their lives and be happier. I just think that it, it's so sad looking back, you know, so many law school friends and lawyer friends that I have. And just looking back at like the environment I was in, it was like, I always talk about it as like the misery Olympics. Like we would all compete. It's like, who was more miserable? Like who had it worse? Whose boss was worse? Who worked more hours? Who had more stress? Who's having panic attacks? You know, it was like, we didn't realize we were doing it, but it's like, that's what everybody was just, that's what we'd commiserate on. It's like, oh God, my, you know, the partner is this and this. And then I look back now and I'm like, that's so sad. Like, what? that's insane. This is what we're doing all day. And like so many of my friends, uh, I was lucky that I didn't actually, I wasn't affected to the extent, but like lawyers have one of the highest suicide rates, depression rates, alcohol rates, drug rate. You know, it's like, there's a problem. And I was realizing like, there's just so many people and they're not stuck. They can leave, but they feel so stuck because of society's expectations. And I just really wanted to show people that there's another way. Like you can't, I don't want you to waste your life and look back and think like, I had this one shot and I spent most of it unhappy because I was living for other people. So you're about to do your hundredth episode. Mm -hmm. Where are your ideas coming from? How are you, because you have some compelling I've, many of your podcasts I've listened to five, six, seven times on my long runs. And I'm thinking to myself, how is she finding these amazing people? 
Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. Yeah, I honestly, it's like, I am so like in love with the idea of finding people that have evolved and done these like transformations. So I'm constantly searching. I'm constantly looking for them. And it's amazing. So have you ever, you know, we've all had this experience. Our brains are like pattern seeking machines and your brain will look for whatever you tell it to look for. And that's why it's so important to work on your mindset and work on like, if you're looking for positive things, like that's what your brain will find. If you're looking for negative, that's what your brain will find. Mm -hmm. And so we've all had the experience where let's say like you want to buy a car and then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere, right? The car was always there, right? Like you start all of a sudden seeing like a blue Civic because you're going to buy a blue Civic. It's just that your brain is now like you've told your brain, we like blue civics. And so your brain finds it. And so it's amazing. Like as soon as I started doing this podcast, I just see quitters everywhere. Like every podcast I listen to is somebody that had another career. And I'm like, oh, I should reach out to them. Or I'm on Instagram and I see somebody and I'm like, oh my God, look how cool this person quit and has now created this. Or, you know, I get so many people that send it to me. I get a lot of people that pitch me for the podcast. And so there's no shortage of quitters. There are way more quitters than I will ever have time to interview which is awesome. And I think that's part of the story is that like there, there's just so many of these stories and they need to be told. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of where I get all of this stuff from. You are literally glowing. Your entire <laughs> countenance has changed. You are radiating sheer joy. I'm serious. I know. I know. It's so funny to say that so many people have told me that and I feel it. And that's what, this is the thing is like, it's so hard to know what your path is. And I would have never known in 2014 when I quit. I mean, if you had told me I'd be doing a pot, it's so insane to me, but it's so amazing when you find that thing that lights you up. And so, you know, you're on the right path and it took me a lot of tries. Right. And, but it's so worth it because once you find it, you're like, Oh, this is the point. Like, this is the point. I get to do something every day that makes me giddy. And it's so funny. Like the podcast, I'm so glad people like it, but I honestly do it for myself because it gives me the opportunity to talk to these people. Like, what cooler job than to sit and have like in-depth conversations with really cool people that I would have no other reason to ever talk to mm -hmm. and like get to really like dive deep and learn about them for an hour. It's just the coolest. You know, I like, I like the setting. If I could say this of your office, right where you're at, I, if you do your Facebook live and TikTok mm -hmm. and you've done some from your kitchen because you are so at peace with who you are. Mm -hmm. You have, obviously at full evidence have found yourself you've got your uh, you let me ask you last time on facebook hey what are all those sticky notes on your board back then you took the time to answer and there's just you, you have this peacefulness that if you were in the corporate world most people would not want to you would they would not want you to see their sticky notes they would not want others to see them in moments of of what might be considered uh vulnerability but you are you have so much peace and it just comes off of you it's just like it's like i'm sitting at your table with you right now and we're having this amazing conversation about life and it's the story that's the only thing that matters is the story yeah not the color of the paint on the wall not your sticky notes but that's what i love about you i love that you say that first of all it means so much to me it's gonna like make me cry but I have to say that as somebody, and I, and this is what I want people that really take away, and even from the podcast, is like I was so the opposite of that, you know, when I was a lawyer. And it, again, even for people, I want them to go on this journey, and I always say like the job is like the smallest part of this whole equation. 
it's really learning about who you are and becoming comfortable with who you are. And I feel like for so long, I was such a people pleaser. I was such a perfectionist. I was always trying to show the world that I was good enough. And I didn't want people to always see me as this like prestigious, you know, and that meant so much to me. And it made me a shell of who I am. And I feel like I finally have come back to like really loving the person that I am and letting that person kind of run the show as opposed to what everybody, and it's, that's worth, you know, anything else. Like it doesn't matter the money I make. It doesn't matter whatever. It's like the fact that I can like every year I feel more and more comfortable in my own skin and I feel like I'm allowed to be my whole self and I don't have to hide parts of myself or like try to be something that I'm not so that other people think that I'm successful enough. Ah, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So tell us some of the things you've learned, you've discovered about yourself in this journey since you, you started and some of the good and maybe some of the bad. Yeah. I mean, it's been a huge, huge uh, personal development journey and I'm still on it. And I realize part of it is like, it's a constant peeling back layers and really kind of like observing myself. So, you know, there's a lot of hard, uncomfortable feelings. It's been a very, you know, it's like for someone that loved being in my comfort zone, it's a very uncomfortable journey. Um, but that is what has made me kind of stronger and more comfortable in my own skin and really more confident in my own ability to figure it out. It's not that I know what the next steps are. It's not that I know what I'm doing. It's just that I know that I'll figure it out. Like I'll get to the next thing and I'll make a decision and then I'll keep moving forward. And so I think having that confidence in my own self has really kind of changed, changed the game for me. I know I will figure it out and I will keep moving forward. How long did it take you to develop that awareness and that mindset? I think it took me years, but that's because I think I didn't have, I was really just fumbling around in the dark. And I think once I found coaches, once I found more of like a guidance, it has sped everything up a lot faster. So I think like for me, it took a while because I didn't know I was looking for that. I didn't realize that I needed to do the personal development work. Once I got on that train, it happened a lot quicker, but I think um, it really took me a while to get there. It's, you offer coaching and you have a coach. I do. I both. Yeah. So as a coach, mm -hmm. what is this, um, what are you looking for? What are you listening for so that you can better help clients? I think with, with, I, I, it, with each client, it's different, but it's a matter of seeing where that, because here's the thing is that you can't see your own blind spots. And so it's right. a matter of where their thinking is faulty and where they're not seeing how they're standing in their own way. And so it's just moving those blocks and telling them like, okay, like this is where you're having a hard time and this is where we need to work on. Whereas like for each person, it's going to be a different block, right? And so it's finding those blocks. How long did it take you to get comfortable being on camera? and speaking live and all of those things a long time a oh. long time. yeah the first i would say six months was just like skin crawling for me i hate it i used to never do social media before i had none of this stuff it gets easier but it was not easy sorry <laughs> thank you for sharing that that's awesome so if if we asked your husband what he has learned about you what might he say 
Oh my God, my husband the other day was saying this. He's like, if you told me that goalie counteround would be on lives on social media, like talking to people all the time, like he's just like, I don't even know who you are. Cause I was so worried about what other people thought of me and like never wanted anybody to say anything, you know, whatever. Oh, I've completely changed. I've completely changed as a human, like the person that I am. Really? And it's, yeah, yeah. Because he's just like, I cannot believe that this is the same person I married. <laughs> and what do, what do your parents think now? Now that you're on this journey a couple of years, several years down the road? Everybody now has come around to it. Because I think like you were just saying, like you can see that I'm happier. Like you can see that I'm more fully myself. You can see I'm more comfortable. And like, who doesn't want that for their child? Or, you know, I think like they've now realized that like, okay, maybe they didn't get it in the beginning and they kind of had hope. And they're like, she's doing what she needs to be doing. So how old are your children now? Um, Two and six. Two and six. What do you want them to know about what you do and why you do it as they get older? What, what's, what's the important messages? I just really want them to also understand how to manage their own minds and really start learning how to trust themselves over what everybody else wants for them, including me. You know, I think that like my role in this world is not forcing them to be who I want them to be, but like really guiding them to become who they should be or who they are. And I think for the, it's really just instilling in them um, the idea that we all, nobody knows better than we do what, what's best for us. And really like exercising that intuition and understanding of like when something feels wrong for you and then something feels, um, and listening to that. That's like the, my biggest goal for my children. I think it's hard looking back. I have adult children and listening to you say that, I honestly almost started crying because uh -huh. we try so hard to do what's right and we don't always know what that is. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I don't think that I would, I'm going to um, do the right thing all the time either. And I still want them to do what I want because I still think I know best and I have to check myself constantly on that. And I think it's an evolution. Like as society evolves, we start realizing like how to parent better. Every generation becomes kind of more, acknowledging what is the right way and what is the wrong way. But um, so I don't think there's, and I know regardless, I'm going to mess up because I'm human, right? And I'm going to want them to do stuff that I think is better for them. But um, it's just like a overall North star that I try to like go, like remind myself when I get really into like, well, I mean, they're still so young, but like figuring out what they, I want them to do. I kind of sort of have to check myself. What are a couple, what are a couple of the most unique people you've interviewed? Mm, so many unique people. I've had so many people that have gone on to create like the coolest um, jobs and stuff. I had Pai Jersa, who's an accountant that went on to create, he has the, I think the biggest wedding photography studio in the country. He makes multi-million dollars like doing wedding photography. Uh, he ne had never picked up a photo camera before he did that. Um, I've had Carl Lonthal, who was a lawyer and has gone on to be a mindset coach makes millions of dollars as a mindset coach um i've had people that like do crafting i mean just so many cool things i honestly i wish i could pick one but there's just so many have you ever had a couple that when you were done you kind of weren't sure about what you had just heard or the interview made you nervous or uh, offset a little bit yeah yeah absolutely i mean there's definitely times that i um the interviews don't go as well as you want or it's not as interesting or the person is not the greatest in an interview and like you learn from that there was times where I was like maybe I shouldn't um 
publish it, but I always have, but like you realize like you're never going to win them all. Right. Like you, I can't control, like I can find people and they have a cool story, but I don't know if they're going to be good on, you know, in answering questions. And sometimes like you have to pull out the questions in them, but it's all part of the process. And I realize like, I can't guarantee my audience that every, you know, uh, interview is going to be a not like knocking out of the park. I can try to bring that energy, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, I think not holding myself to a standard of perfectionism has been the only way that I can move forward because if it, everyone's going to be perfect if every episode has to be perfect, I would never put an episode out. Sure. Any final parting words to those that would hear this? I think that for anybody that hears this, I just like truly want people to know that there is a way to be fulfilled and happy and you know that way. And so it's a matter of really starting to listen to yourself and really get quiet outside of what everybody else wants for you, what everybody else thinks for you. Like, what do you want for your life? And start listening to that voice. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had with us today for this last hour, Goli Colcran, founder, owner, mentor extraordinaire, life coach extraordinaire of LessonsFromAquitter.com. Goli, thank you. You made my day. Thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you. And uh, we'll post this to the Molina Leadership Development business page and I'll send you the link. And we'll look forward. Everyone, lessonsfromaquitter.com. Find her podcast. You will not be disappointed. Oh, Mark, you're so sweet. Thank you. Have a good day, Goli. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.